Acts chapter 14. We're going to read the whole story. It's kind of a, a longer story, and then we're going to focus on the, uh, the last portion of it. I'm going to begin in verse 8, so you follow along in your Bibles. Now at Lystra there was a man sitting who could not use his feet. He was crippled from birth and had never walked. He listened to Paul speaking, and Paul looked intently at him, and seeing that he had faith to be made well, said in a loud voice, Stand upright on your feet. And he sprang up and began walking. And when the crowd saw what Paul had done, they lifted up their voices, saying in Lyconian, The gods have come down to us in the likeness of men. Barnabas they called Zeus, and Paul Hermes, because it was the, he was the chief speaker. And the priest of Zeus, whose temple was at the entrance of the city, brought oxen and garlands to the gates and wanted to offer sacrifice with the crowds. But when the apostles Barnabas and Paul heard of it, they tore their garments and rushed out in the crowd, crying out, Men, why are you doing these things? We also are men of like nature with you. And we bring you good news that you should turn from these vain things to a living God, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and all that's in them. In past generations, he allowed the nations to walk in their own ways, yet he did not leave himself without witness. For he did good by giving you rains from heaven and fruitful seasons, satisfying your hearts with good, uh, with food and gladness. But even with these words, they scarcely restrained the people from offering sacrifices to them. But when the Jews came from Antioch and Iconium, and having persuaded the crowds, they stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city, supposing that he was dead. But when the disciples gathered about him, he rose up and entered the city, and on the next day he went on with Barnabas to Derb. When they preached the gospel to that city and had made many disciples, they returned to Lystra and Iconium and Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith, and saying that through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. When they had appointed elders for them in every church, with prayer and fasting, they committed them to the Lord. In whom they had believed. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to have a Bible and to understand your word. God, we believe that what is written in it is written for our, uh, for our edification, for our encouragement, uh, to lead us to see and know the true and living God. And Lord, we pray that um, you would speak through your word this morning. We pray that your Holy Spirit would, would open our eyes to see what we need to see, uh, to see the the goodness and faithfulness and glory of Jesus and to see how desperately we need to continue faithfully even through difficult times in our faith. Father, please help us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, sitting with some guys on uh, Friday night, we were out uh, at uh, the pond, kind of at a men's gathering, and uh, we'd done some fishing and shooting and stuff, and we were... uh, just sitting around uh, late at night talking, and uh, the the topic of discouragement came up, and some of the guys were uh, were sharing about what they get discouraged about, and and we were sharing particularly about ministry. You know, when you're you're trying to do something for the Lord and it just doesn't go right. You ever had that happen? And you know, you just get discouraged and and you want to quit. And so we were sharing about that, and and some of the guys were like, "Well, hey, Pastor, what do you get discouraged about?" And so before I could answer that, they started guessing. Okay, what I might discourage get discouraged about, and one guy said, "Well, I know what it is, Pastor." He said. You know, you're up there preaching and you, you got something you really feel like God wants you to say. And, you know, it's really exciting in the Word of God. And you look out and there's some folks and they're just sacked out. I mean, just snoozing away. 
You know, they said, that's got to be discouraging. You know what, though? That, that really isn't it. I, I really don't get discouraged about that. And here's why. Let me tell you why. I don't take it personal, okay? Uh, just because I know that if, if I was preaching between 2 and 3.30 in the afternoon... I would often go to sleep, okay? Because, I mean, that's just the way everybody's wired differently, right? And for, for some people, right before lunch is a difficult time. And so, you know, you're sleepy. And, and, and that's what I tell myself anyway. I mean, it could be that it's really boring, but I don't want to believe that. So I'm just going to say it's, it's just a natural, you know, everybody has different rhythms in their life and stuff. And, and I, I just get that. I almost, I, Michelle will tell you, I, I fell asleep in staff meeting the other day. I didn't actually go to sleep, but I was so tired. It was about 2.30, 3 o'clock in the afternoon. And everybody was talking. And we had our calendars. We were charting out the next couple months. And man, I was just, I, I just could not stay awake. I actually stood up and Haven had brought a little bouncy ball in my office and left it there the other day. And so I, I bounced that ball the whole rest of the sta- staff meeting just to keep myself awake. So, you know, I, I get that. So I don't get discouraged about that. Some people say, well, pastor, I bet it's discouraging when people don't come forward. I, you know, you preach a message about the gospel, about the forgiveness of Jesus and how he can make us clean and justify us and, and the glory of heaven. And, you know, just nobody respond. You know, we had kind of a time of public response and during the last song where, you know, if you want to be baptized or be a member of Lincoln Avenue, that's kind of your time to come forward and respond or some other kind of, uh, at the 945 service I just came from, we had a guy come forward and he just wanted me to pray for him about a specific thing he's struggling with. You know, times like that. There's times where, where no, nobody responds. I said, no, that didn't discourage me. You know why? Because I've had tons of times where I preached and it didn't look like there was any visible you know, uh, visible decision, visible commitments being made. But somebody would call me two days later and say, man, pastor, our marriage was falling apart. Or our life was falling apart. And we came and the Lord spoke to us. And man, we've just, we've just committed ourselves afresh. I mean, I've had tons of those times. So here's what I believe. I don't always see everything that's happening in people's hearts. Amen. And I mean, God's at work. And so, so no, that doesn't discourage me. So I don't get, they mentioned some other things. Let me tell you what does discourage me. Okay. Those things don't. But here's what does discourage me. Uh, One of the saddest things for me is when I see somebody who's been serving Jesus and loving Jesus and living for Jesus, and they begin to have a downward track in their life. Okay? I'm not talking about having a bad day. We all have bad days, don't we? I mean, you know, we all have bad days. We all have days when we don't, we don't, we don't. Trust God like we ought to. We have days when we fall into sin. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about somebody who, who's really tracking downward. You know, I mean, at one time they 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 they, they were living passionately for Christ. They loved Jesus. You know, they had joined their life over the, the scriptures and they were trying to obey Christ. But then slowly, for whatever reason, they begin just to be less and less committed, to be less and less joyful in Jesus, to be less and less, you know, service-minded and obeying Christ and following Christ. And their life is just tracking downward. Okay, that is terribly discouraging to me for a couple different reasons. Number one, here's what the Bible says. None of us can see each other's hearts. You can't see my heart. You know, I can't see your heart. All we can see is, is the evidence that our, our life brings about. And so the Bible is very clear that there are some people who say with their mouth that they belong to Jesus, but their life doesn't show it. And it's not real. And so one of the things that's scary to me about, about folks that, you know, at one time they seem to be really strong in their faith and they're just tracking downwards. Here's what I'm thinking in my mind. Oh, my. 
You know, maybe what I thought about them was true is not really true. Now, I don't know that. Maybe they're just going through a bad time in their life and they're going to come back up. I don't know. But that's a scary thing. And it's a discouraging thing to see people going the wrong way in their faith. And sometimes, you know, you, you pray and you plead and you, you, you try to kind of get them going in the right direction. Sometimes there's nothing that can be done. It's almost like watching a car wreck, you know. Have you ever had that happen where you saw a car wreck about to happen? You and I were in uh, Missouri one time and, and we were coming up to an intersection. There was a car right in front of us, and this car did not see the, the, the car on the highway coming at 65 miles an hour. And they just slowly pulled out right in front of them. We had probably three seconds to, to see this thing happen, you know. I mean, I was yelling. I think Emma honked. And I, and, but this person just right out in front of him, and that car just ran. And, you know, it was just a terrible thing. It's a terrible feeling to see what's about to happen and not to be able to, to stop it or change it. And I almost feel that way in people's lives sometimes where, where their life is just tanking. It's just destroying. It's just going the wrong direction. And you're watching it happen. That's terribly discouraging to me. And I'll tell you what's really encouraging to me. Let's, let's go the other way, okay? You know what's the most encouraging thing to me as a pastor? You know, some of you say, well, I bet it's big attendance Sundays. Yeah, it's really not. You know, I mean, those things come and go. And I, I just know that's all going to ebb and flow. That's not really. But here's what's encouraging. When I see other people's lives that, that, are, that are on a steady track upwardly for Jesus. You know, they're trusting Jesus more today than they were two years ago. You know, they got, they're more involved in, in the people of God today than they were five years ago. Man, that is encouraging, especially when I see that in older people. I don't know why, but that just thrills my soul. When I see somebody, you know, that, that has lived a lot of their life and, and man, they're still going up. They're still more plugged in. They still want to serve more. They still want to, want to read the scriptures more. They're, they're, they're still tracking upward in their life. That, that's, that's a fantastic, Fantastic thing for me to see as a pastor. Okay, now, now here, here's here's what we want to want to say this morning. As we look at this passage today, we, we want to see how do we keep our lives moving forward in the Christian life. How, how do we do that? How do we not be one of these people that that slowly begins to decline in their faith? Okay, and, and I think the Bible gives a lot of instruction about that because you know what? There were those people in the Bible. Okay, Second Timothy chapter uh, four verse ten gives us a description. Of a guy who once was really strong in his faith, but for whatever reason, he begins to decline in his faith. His name is Demas, okay? And in 2 Timothy 4.10, it says, For Demas, in love with this present world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. You know, Paul describes this guy who at one time is a real servant for the Lord. He, he's really on fire in his faith. But, for, you know, Paul says he fell in love with the world. He just began to love the things of the world instead of the things of God. And he begins to decline in his spiritual life. You know, in, in Matthew 13, verses 20 and 22, the Bible describes the parable of the soils, all right? And, and the soils represent different people's hearts. And in verse 20, it says, as for what was sown on the rocky ground, there's some people that, that their hearts are like rocky ground. It's real shallow, okay? So when you plant the seed in it, it comes up immediately, real fast. But then listen what happens. As for what was sown on the rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy, yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while. But when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately, I hate these words, Immediately, he falls away. Those are bad words, aren't they? He falls away. Verse 22, he describes a different kind of person, okay? 
He says, as for what was sown among thorns, this is the person that they, they, they receive the gospel, but they, they don't ever repent of their sin. They don't ever clean out their life. They don't ever turn away from, from, from disobedience and from sin in their life. So verse, verse 22 says, as for what was sown among the thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. You see, there's a description of, of two different groups of people who start out pretty good, but then their, their spiritual life begins to decline and they begin to fall away from the word. Okay, so here, here's, here's a question for today. How do we not be those people? That's my, that's my question today. How do, how do we not be those? I don't want to be that person. You know, I don't want to be the person that lives for, for a while. I mean, I, I've, been, I've been saved for almost uh, 20, 21 years. And I don't want to be the person that for 21 years I served Jesus and followed Jesus and loved Jesus and try to lead my family in Jesus. But then something happens in my life or, or I struggle and, and I, begin to, I begin to fall away. I don't want to be that one. I don't want to, I don't want to finish like Demas. I, I don't want to do that in my life. And I don't want you to do that in your life. And so what, what we need to look at is, is some examples and some teaching of how do we continue to persevere faithfully in our faith. You know why this is so important? It's, it's so important because the reality is that the Christian life is really hard. Have you, have you found that out yet? Christian life's hard. It's hard, it's hard to follow Jesus. It's hard to, to stay committed. It's hard to be faithful to a church, okay? It's hard to serve in a church. It's hard to grow a church. It's, it's hard to start a small group. Some, some of you will more readily identify with that. You know, we've, we've been doing our small group ministry for about seven years. And some of you have been a part of that for the whole seven years. And, and I know, I, I know I can point to people in this church who would say this. They would say, you know what? Our it, it's, it's as hard now as it was seven years ago, you know, to keep a group grow, growing and thriving and Christ-centered relationships being formed and keep people encouraged in the scriptures. I mean, it's just a hard thing. But listen, hard does not mean wrong. And, and here's the big one. Hard does never mean quit. Okay? Paul and Barnabas had a hard Christian life. Okay? Here, here they're in Lystra, okay? So what's happening here? Well, Barnabas and Paul, they're taking the gospel and they're going to these other cities all, all around Asia Minor and they're sharing the gospel, okay? They're sharing the gospel with people. And so they, they arrive in this city named Lystra and you know what happens? They, they, they start sharing the gospel and there's a guy who's listening and he's really intent. I mean, Paul looks down at him. He can tell, man, this guy's really with me. And, and, and I, I just have to conclude that the Holy Spirit moved in Paul's life and said, hey, I want to heal that guy. And so Paul says, you, right there, stand up. So the guy, he's never walked before. He's been crippled. He stands up, all right? So, hey, things are going pretty well so far, aren't they? You know, things are going pretty well. Here's a crippled guy who, who stands up under the power of the Holy Spirit, and God heals him, and Paul's been preaching the Word. And so you would think things are going really well, okay? But Paul begins to, to preach. Let me tell you some of the things he says. First of all, in verse 15, he tells them that there's one creator God and that everything in your life comes from him. That's what, that's what he tells them in verse 15. That God is, there's one living God who created the heavens and the earth. And in verse 17, he says, look, God's been blessing you even though you didn't acknowledge him. And even though you haven't honored him and worshiped him, even though you've been worshiping idols, God, God, has, God has blessed you with rain. He's blessed you with prosperity. In verse 15, Paul and Barnabas drive home the truth that 
that every other thing besides the one true God is not to be worshipped. You're not to worship sex. You're not to worship money. You're not to worship yourself. You're not, you're not to, to, to put yourself above God. You're not to say, I'm going to listen to me and not God. You're, you're not to worship. That's an idol. Okay. So Paul gives all these great truths. And Paul, Paul heals a man by the power of the Holy Spirit. But you know what's, what, what, what happens here? They completely do not get it. One of the hard things about being a Christian is that you're going to have people that you really love that just don't understand at all. That's a really hard thing. Some of you identify with that? You know, you're trying to live the Christian life and maybe you've got a spouse or maybe you've got kids or maybe you've got parents or friends or neighbors. And man, they just don't get it at all. These folks didn't get it at all. Paul tells them all these things, heals a man. And you know what they do? They go get the priest of Zeus, and in their minds, Paul is, is Hermes, the, the, the god, the, the ancient Greek god, and Barnabas is Zeus, you know, and then they start to, they want to sacrifice to Paul and Barnabas. Now, you know, people have misunderstood me before. That, that's happened. You know, I, I read a deal, a deal that somebody posted the other day that, that said what Pastor Jason's sermon was about, and I was like, huh? You know, is that what? What? You know? I showed it to my staff and I said, is that what I said? Because I didn't mean to say that. And they're like, no, I don't think that's what you said. You know, so I understand what it's like to be misunderstood, but never this bad. Okay. I mean, Paul tells them there's one true God who created the heavens and the earth and and you you owe your allegiance to him and him alone, you know, and, and he's the one that's blessed you with all these blessings and you need to worship him. And they're like, yay, let's sacrifice to Paul and Barnabas. You know, and it's no, no, you completely don't get it. And there's going to be times, that's one of the hard things about the Christian life, is there's going to be people that completely don't get it. 1 Corinthians 2, verse 14 says, The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God for their folly to him, and he's not able to understand them because they're spiritually discerned. That verse tells us that, that when you don't know Jesus, the Bible really doesn't make sense. You know, it just doesn't make sense. You know, you, you hear these people talking about worshiping Jesus and loving Jesus and following Jesus, and you're just like, What? I don't, I don't, I mean, hey, I was that guy for 18 years, man. I went to church every Sunday and then I would leave and I would live completely the opposite. You know why? Because I just didn't get it. You know, I mean, I, mean, I saw my mom and dad, and my dad's life radically changed. He was a different guy after he got saved. I mean, I, I had that to even see in my own life, but for 18 years, I just did not get it. I didn't get it. I, I do what I wanted to do. I worship me. I worship God. First Peter chapter four gives kind of an illustration of, of people that just, just don't get why you don't live like you used to live. First Peter chapter four, verse three says, uh, the time that is past suffices for doing what the Gentiles want to do. Living in sensuality. Okay. That's like sexual morality, passions, drunkenness, orgies, drinking parties, lawless idolatry. Okay. So, some of the people that Peter was talking to, they used to live that lifestyle but Christ changed him. Now look what he says in verse four. With respect to this, they're surprised when you don't join them in the same flood of debauchery and they malign you. You ever had that experience? I mean, so, somebody's just like, hey, you, you're not the person you used to be and you used to do all this stuff with us. You don't do that anymore. I don't get you anymore. Okay, that, that happens. They, 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 they miss it completely. And so these folks completely misunderstood who Paul and Barnabas were and what Paul and Barnabas were trying to do. But not only did they have people that misunderstood them, they had people that undermined them. Look in verse 19. But Jews came from Antioch and Iconium, and having persuaded the crowds, they stoned Paul. 
and dragged him out of the city. Folks, there will always be people that just simply don't like Jesus. Uh, I'm sorry about that. I'm glad, I'm glad there's not a whole lot of them, I guess, where we live. But, but there will always be people that just don't like Jesus. And they're going to cast our church in the wrong light. And they're going to cast you in the wrong light. That's just a reality. You know what struck me about that little passage right there? It's how quickly things can go from being encouraged to discouraged. You know? I mean, in a matter of hours there, Paul is preaching about Jesus. He heals this guy. They're, they're wanting to sacrifice to him as a god. And in a matter of minutes to hours, they're stoning him to death. Things can change pretty quick. You ever, you ever had that in your life where things go from encouraged to discouraged really fast? Yeah, seconds, yeah. That happens, doesn't it? Uh, you know, I mean, it's just, just that quick. Okay, and in verse 19, look, it says Paul is stoned. They stoned him. What does it mean to stone somebody? That means you take him out... And you start throwing rocks at them. Usually they would push somebody off like a, a, a wall or something. And they would drop a big stone on his chest, kind of hold him down. Um, and then, a lot of times that would kill him. And then they would just, they would just pelt him with stones. Okay? They do that to Paul until he's not kicking, he's not moving anymore. Then they uncover him from the stones. And they drag him out to the, the garbage dump outside the city. And they leave him there. How about you? That's a bad day, isn't it? That's a bad day. You thought you had a bad day. Man, that, that's, that's a bad day. That, that's, that's, really, that's really no good. Not only is that a bad day, but think about this. I just want you to put this in perspective. Paul would most likely suffer from that incident the rest of his life. Marilyn was in a car wreck right after, right after you guys got married, wasn't it? Isn't that right, Marilyn? Marilyn was in a car wreck right after they got married. That was uh, five years ago, 10, maybe like 30, 30 years ago, right? Something like that. She, 30 more, Ed's in more, okay. You, you still hurt from that, don't you? Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the reality, isn't it? You can have a pretty serious injury, and, and you'll, you'll feel that every day the rest of your life. Do you think Paul felt this every day the rest of his life? I think he probably did. Galatians chapter 6, verse 17. He says, from now on, let no one cause me trouble, for I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. What do you think he meant by that? I bear on my body... You know what I think he probably meant by that? He, he probably bore... I mean, there, there were probably physical things about Paul's body that were from that stoning. You know? His jaw may not have shut quite right. He may have had migraine headaches the rest of his life. Maybe he was stooped over because of vertebrae that were crushed in his back. I don't, I don't know. But, but what I'm saying is there, there's, this, there's this continual harming of Paul for the rest of his life. Now, now here, here's why I want to point that out to you, Okay? If that had happened to you, if you're trying to serve Jesus and you're trying to love Jesus and you're trying to follow Jesus and you're trying to do the right thing, okay, and things go that badly for you, what is your temptation? Okay, what, what's the thing that we, we all, let's just admit it, we all would be really tempted to do? You know what you'd be really tempted to do? Quit. Wouldn't you? Come on. We'd be really tempted to quit. We'd be really tempted to think, okay, man, I did my part, you know. I mean, I, I served and I tried and look what happened to me. I was almost killed. And for the rest of my life, I'm going to limp. And for the rest of my life, I'm going to have these headaches. And for the rest of my life, you know, my, 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 I'm not going to be able to see out of this one eye because of my, my trying to serve Jesus. And if things went that badly for me, then I'm just going to quit. 
Or, or you know what, you know, the way we might other phrase it, and I hear this all the time. Oh, we've got to be so careful with what we mean by this. But you know what I hear people saying all the time? That I, man, I'm just discouraged, and life's been hard, and I've had this circumstance and that circumstance, and I'm just going to take a break. Careful, careful. What do you mean by that? What do you mean by take a break? Now, if what you mean by that is, I'm going to stop doing this formal ministry so that I can, I can devote some time to prayer. And, and I've, got, I've got these three books about Jesus that I want to read. And, and, and I've got two people that I want to start meeting with in the mornings. And we're going to read through the book of Philippians. And, 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 and I'm just going to try to recharge myself because I, I just feel really spiritually drained. Amen, brother. Go do it. Go do it. That is awesome. That's awesome. If that's what Jesus did that. You remember Jesus would minister in the cities and he would heal stuff. And then he'd be like, okay, guys, let's pull away. And they'd pull away. He'd spend all night praying. He'd spend a day praying. He'd spend a day with his disciples just in this intensive teaching and fellowship. That's awesome, okay? But if, but if what you mean by pull away is, you know, I'm not going to serve Christ for a while. And I'm just going to pull away from my, my Bible reading. And I don't know if I want to go to Sunday school and... I don't think I'm going to go to a small group. I'm just going to, oh, careful. As your pastor, I implore you, be so very careful with that. Now, now you say, why, pastor? We, we all need a break. We all need rest. Okay, yes. But your spiritual life is different from your physical life, right? I was, uh, I was out last Monday. Chuck and I were going to the city, and, and I was going to pick him up about 6.30, I think. And so I didn't have time to ride my bike, so I thought, oh, I'm going to go do this horrible thing once a week. I'll go run. So I go and do my one and three-quarter mile run around my neighborhood. And there's this lady, early in the morning, she, I always see her running, constantly. Like, probably, I probably see her four or five days a week. Monica, see, you, Monica lives kind of in my neighborhood. You see her, too. And, and she... Anyway, I pass her like this, and I'm like, I'm going to meet that lady. I'm just going to figure out, you know, who, who are you and, and how far do you run? You know, and so I turned around, and I yelled out at her first because I, I didn't want to spook her, and I didn't want to get, you know, I didn't want you know, her to think I was like a stalker. My, my real fear was that I was going to get maced. You know, I was going to, like, run up behind her. She's going to, you know. And so, so I kind of yelled out at her. I said, like, hey, you know, and she's like, oh, hi, you know. And so I kind of ran up beside her. It was hard, too. She's running a lot faster than I was, you know. I'm trying to keep up, you know, so I'm running. And, and I said, you know, I said, tell me, how far do you run? Six miles every day, seven days a week. That lady needs a break, okay? <laughs> Don't you think? I mean, really, she needs a break. I, I, that, I, it would be a good thing for her to have a break, you know? I, what I would encourage her is, hey, take a week and just ice your knees, you know, and Eat some french fries and just take a break, man. You know, I mean, really, I mean, your physical body can only take so much. I mean, six miles a day, seven days a week. And I believe her because I see her that many. I mean, goodness. Okay, man, give your body a break. Is our spiritual life like that, though? You see, there's some differences in there. Where, Where does the power come from? That we minister to others. Where does the power come from that we, we, we do spiritual work? Doesn't it come from the Holy Spirit? Okay, here, question, question. Here, let's test our theology. Does he get tired? Does the Holy Spirit ever be like, Jason, just quit. You know, I got to have a break. I, I just can't keep doing it. No, I don't, he doesn't, does he? Okay, so the Spirit never gets tired. Our physical bodies get tired. We do need physical rest. 
But, but do we ever need a time where we want to pull away from Jesus? No, because our power comes from Jesus. And so, so we constantly need to be close to Jesus, right? What gives us strength is being close to him. What gives us strength is, is, is being in fellowship with him. And so is there a time where a guy needs to stop preaching for, for three weeks or a month and, and kind of get his, get it? Yeah, there is. What should he do during those three weeks or a month? She, she go watch ESPN and, you know, now, you know what he should do? He should pray. He should spend time with his family. He should, he should read some books. He should study the scriptures. He should meet with some accountability partners to refresh his life. You see what I'm saying? He should get close to Jesus. So if, if take a break means get close to Jesus, take a break. Let's do it. And we'll call off, we'll call off a ministry if we all need to do that. That's fine. Okay. But if take a break means I'm, I'm discouraged and I'm tired and I'm worn out and things haven't gone like I wanted them to go and I've been misunderstood and I've been attacked and, I, and I'm hurt. And so I'm going to pull away from Jesus. That's a bad, bad, bad idea. Okay. Let's see what Paul does. We're going to look at Paul's example and we're going to look at Paul's teaching. Okay. Man, how do we get out of time so fast? What happens here? Um, okay, Paul's example. What does Paul do? So he's just been stoned. He's been through a really discouraging thing. Verse 20. When the disciples gathered around him, he rose up and look what he does. Where's he go? He goes back into the city. <laughs> he goes back into the same city from which they just stoned him. He goes back to visit with the same believers that he's just won to Christ. Okay? He goes back and says, what's he do the next day? On the next day, he went on with Barnabas to Derb. He takes a 60-mile walk. Okay, that in itself is pretty impressive, isn't it? He takes a 60-mile walk to Derb, to this city called Derb. And what's he do there? Does he, does he hold up in a spa, you know, watch a little TV? So when they had preached the gospel of that city and had made many disciples, he preached the gospel there. And not only that, but it's successful. That, that's kind of amazing to me. You know, I, I would think that if you just got stoned, probably the next day you'd be off your game a little, wouldn't you? You know, I mean, maybe your lips are all swollen. You're trying to talk, you know, and your tongue's bleeding still. And, I mean, man, the spirit of God uses him and many disciples are made. What does he do after that? Does he, does he, does he quit then? No. When they had preached the gospel of that city and made many disciples, they returned to Lystra and to Iconium and to Antioch. The, the last three cities they've been, they go back there. Why do they go back there? They go back there to strengthen those believers so that they'll continue in the faith. You see, Paul's given us a great example here of, of continuing the faith. He goes through a really discouraging thing. What does he do? He keeps going toward Jesus. Sometimes we got to shut off our common sense, you know? Don't do that all the time, please. But, you know, sometimes we got to shut off our common sense. Because common sense says if, if you do something and it goes really bad for you, then don't do it again, you know? My wife ordered uh, motel rooms from uh, one of those travel companies on the Internet, you know, like uh, Travelocity or Kayak or, you know, one of those. Okay, I'm not going to tell you which one because I, I don't want them suing me, okay? But anyway... Uh, so she ordered, she'll probably tell you if you ask her actually, but anyway, uh, she orders motel rooms and then she cancels them. We decided we changed our plans. And so she cancels them and it comes up on the screen. Your, uh, reservation has been successfully canceled. And she even prints that out. I think we, and we got that. Okay. What they don't tell you is in the fine print, it's still your responsibility to call the motel. 
You know, we didn't know that. They didn't tell you that. So you're supposed to be, you know, now sometimes it goes in and cancels it, but sometimes it doesn't. But if, if they don't cancel it, it's still your responsibility. Well, we didn't call, we didn't know that. We didn't call the motel. So after this trip that we never took, we get a bill for $260 for the motel rooms that we never stayed in, okay? And we go through all the deals to call and oh, they won't give us, no, no refunds, done deal, it's over, you know, nothing. Okay. Common sense tells my wife, we will never use that company again, okay? Now, I would probably be tempted to. I guarantee she won't, all right? She's not going to. In fact, when they send her emails, she crawls through the computer and grabs the guy by the neck and says, don't ever send me a com- an email again. Yeah, it's not that bad, but she calls him. She, she not want, I mean, she, no, it's, it's over. Well, I mean, she don't want to look at an advertisement. She's not using them again, okay? They say, that's common sense, okay? Common sense says if you had a really bad experience, then don't do it again. Okay? But that doesn't always work. You see, common sense is don't jump over the fence into the, into the lion cage at the zoo. That's common sense. Don't do it. It's, it's stupid. If your three-year-old falls in there, go ahead and jump over the fence. Right? You gotta, sometimes you've got to override it. Right? Don't you? Sometimes you've got to say, okay, I'm, I'm going to do this thing because it's valuable enough. It's valuable enough that it's worth the risk. Okay, You continuing in your faith, you persevering in your faith is valuable enough to endure tribulation. Let's look at what Paul tells them. Okay, let's look at Paul's teaching. He says in verse 22, when, when, they had, when they had preached the gospel of that city and had made many disciples, they returned to Lystra and to Iconium and Antioch. Here's his message. Strengthening the souls of the disciples. Okay? Now, the rest of the verse is, is what he, how he does that. By encouraging them to, he gives them this truth, continue in the faith, and saying, through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. First of all, he says he strengthened the souls of the disciples. What does that mean? That means he gave them truths from God's word. Okay? That's what it means to strengthen somebody's soul, is you give them truths from the word of God. You tell them what Jesus said, what Jesus is like, what Jesus promises. Folks, here's the thing. If you're going to continue, okay, this applies to all of us. If we're going to continue strong in our faith, if we're going to persevere through hard times, you have got to be a person who has a steady diet of God's word. Okay? You've got to be a person who's hearing and receiving the word of God. Last Sunday night, Brother Andrew preached. Uh, I got to be out here and listen, okay? I don't know how you listen to a sermon, okay? Some of you may find your happy place somewhere else, tune me out, and, and you know, you kind of come back when the, when the sermon's over. I don't know, you know? But here's how I listen to a sermon. I always got a notebook. You know why? It's just the way I'm wired. I need to write things down, okay? Sometimes I never go back and read them, but, but, the, but the act of writing them down helps me kind of remember, and it helps me... I'm right there to write down what the Spirit is speaking to me. Okay, so Brother Andrew starts preaching. I start writing down his points. All good people don't go to heaven. Uh, Cornelius, he's a giver. He helps poor people. He's a man of prayer. I underlined that one. He's a man of prayer. Uh, he's respected in his community. He has immediate obedience. Then Andrew starts talking about how God's arm's not too short to save. He can save anybody. Uh, and then, then he talks about Peter planning a church, you know, going to this new place. And how, how, how the Spirit spoke to Peter while he was praying. And, and it, you remember Andrew talked about how Peter had a church of three to 5,000 at that time, you know, in Jerusalem. And how, what was Peter doing? What was he spending his time? He was on the roof praying. He was on the roof praying. God really started speaking to me. And so I start checking out. I'm not sure what Brother Andrew said next because I'm checked out over here because the Spirit is really speaking to my heart about prayer. And so I start writing down over here on this side, staff prayer time. You know, God just said, hey, you know what? We're, we need to be like Peter. We need to spend a lot of our time praying. And so I started thinking about, hey, we need to pray through our spotters list. Okay? And I start writing down all these, these things that I want to do that the Spirit of God is speaking to me about. Man, is that the way you listen to a sermon? That's the way I listen to a sermon. Why? 
Because I want my soul to be strengthened. See, that helps me move forward. And we, we, we applied that this week, you know, had a staff meeting and, and we, it was hard for us to all get together. We finally got together and, and I said, all right, guys, man, here's what I want us to do. We're going to start praying through the spotters list. Spotters list is, is a list with everybody who attends Lincoln Avenue's name on it. It's in alphabetical order. We started in the A's. We all took nine names and we prayed for those people individually, for their families. We got all the way through kind of about halfway through the B's. Okay. We prayed for 45 families. And, 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 and listen, but that comes from me being strengthened in the word of God. Okay, now, now what, what else does he tell him? So number one would be strength. If, if you're, if you're going to make it, if you're going to persevere in the faith, you've got to be strengthened in the word of God. Second of all, he, he says you need to know the urgent nature of continuing in the faith. Verse 22, strengthen the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith. Okay, I believe that, that there's, a, there's a point in time when someone comes to faith, right? Before, before May of 1990, I did not have faith. I'd heard of Jesus. I knew about him, but I didn't trust him. I didn't love him. I didn't yield my life to him. Okay? I thought I was a Christian. I was not. I did not have faith. After May of 1990, I do have faith. But do I have all the faith that I'll ever have? I hope not. I, I want to grow in faith. I want to continue in faith. And that's what, that's what he's saying, is you, you need to continue in faith. What does that mean? That means that today you're going to trust Jesus in some way, right? You may trust him to turn the other cheek from somebody who hurts you. But you know what? Tomorrow, it'll probably be a different situation. Tomorrow, you may need to trust Jesus to give you the ability to love somebody that's not very lovable. And you know what? Tuesday, it'll be a different situation than that. You may need to trust Jesus to give you joy in a painful situation. Wednesday, you may need to trust Jesus to help you walk away from a temptation. Thursday, you may need to trust Jesus to help you be thankful when, when you feel like you don't have what you, what you need. Friday, you may have to trust Jesus to give you courage to, to share the gospel with someone. But that's the Christian life. It is trusting Jesus day after day after day after day, continuing in the faith. Please don't be one of these people that says, oh yeah, I got that covered. Back when I was eight, I, I, I gave my life to Jesus. And so now I'm good. Well, what's happening today? Nothing. That's scary. That means what happened when you were eight maybe wasn't what you think. Because believers continue in the faith. What if we don't continue in the faith? Well, just real quick, that's a scary thing. Colossians 1.21, starting 22, says, He has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to pre- present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him, if, indeed, you continue in the faith. You know what the Bible says? Every true believer will continue in the faith. So what does that mean if you don't? That's scary, isn't it? What does it mean if you drop off? What does it mean if you stop trusting him? What, if it, what does it mean if you start saying with your life, Jesus, I don't care what you think. I'm going to do what I want. What does that mean? Notice what else he says. Verse 22. Strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith, and saying that through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. What's the kingdom of God? The kingdom of God is Jesus' rule in our hearts, in our lives. Okay? And someday he's going to rule the world. Okay? So the kingdom of God is out there. Matthew 13, 44 says the kingdom of God is so valuable that it's like a man who finds treasure hidden in a field. And over his joy for what's in that treasure, he covers it up, sells everything he has, and buys the field to have the treasure. That's what the kingdom of God is. And here's what Paul's telling them. Guys, guys, remember this. Paul's saying, look, the kingdom of God, the road to the kingdom of God is through tribulation. 
So right away he tells us, it's going to be tough. It's going to be hard. It's going to be a struggle. But you've got to continue for the prize. Final thing. What's he say? Verse 23. And when they had appointed elders for them in every church with prayer and fasting, they committed them to the Lord in whom they had believed. So Paul really wants these folks to keep going in their faith. So what's he do? He strengthens them with the word. He talks to them about how essential it is that you continue in the faith. He tells them that there's going to be tribulations on the way. And then you know what he does? He sets up a church. That's what he's doing there, isn't it? And when they had appointed elders for them in every church. What are elders? Pastors. So he spends some time with them. He says, all right, I can see you're gifted in, in this way and you're gifted in this way. Okay, you're, you're going to be the pastor and you're going to run the small groups and, and, and you're, you're, you're going to help with the teaching. And okay, guys, this is our church. This, this is your small groups. You, you know why he does that? Because you, listen, you will not continue faithfully toward Jesus outside the church. I don't have time, but I, I can show you that. You, you won't. Hadden and I, we went to buy minnows. Hadden's a pretty good fisherman. Me, not so much. When you go to buy minnows, you, got, you need a bucket. See, I, I, I forgot all about that, you know? <laughs> so I, I, he's got our minnows and everything. Les was there. Les was right in front of me. He was, he was buying, he's buying Gatorade. I was buying minnows. So I was ah. So you know what we did? We got a 32-ounce pop cup. Okay, and that's what we had our minnows in. The only problem is, minnows don't, they don't thrive very well in a 32-ounce pop cup. They, they need to be in a pond. They need to be in a tank. They need to be in a buck. They need to be in something, you know. Here's the deal. Christians, they don't thrive very well outside the church. We said graduation. Let a bunch of kids graduate here from high school. My daughter's one of them. But here's the thing. Did you know that a lot of kids, when they leave for college, don't, don't continue? That happens a lot. Why is that? Some of them are just, they're not saved. I mean, that's just reality. Some of them are not saved. They were coming to church because their parents made them come to church. They never really had a personal faith of their own. But you know, you know what the deal is for some of them? And a lot of times we blame the university. We talk about how liberal the professors are and stuff like that. You know what I think is a bigger cause? You take a kid, let's, let's just use my daughter, Hannah. She's been here since she was three years old, okay? This is, this is the only church she ever knows, really, she can remember. She loves you guys. During her, 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 her graduation speech, she talked about how much her church has meant to her, how many, how many people have invested in her. Okay, you take a kid that's always had this family and these people investing in him, always had Michelle and Andrew challenging her spiritually and, and giving her books to read and taking her on leadership camp and get small groups, okay? You take that kid and you take him out of that pond... And you put them in a 32-ounce cup, what happens? You know, you know what happens when a lot of kids go to college? They don't get plugged into a church. They may attend, but nobody knows them. They don't know anybody. They're not in a small group. And their Christian life begins to decline. Please, it is imperative, believers, that you and I, that we continue in the faith. Okay? You got faith today? Great. Awesome. But here's what Paul would say. We've got to persevere. And are you going to have some discouraging things happen? I promise you, yes. So did Paul. Prayerfully, we will not get stoned. Okay? 
Either way, marijuana or rocks, okay? Either way, hopefully those are both bad. Okay? Hopefully those things won't happen. But you know what? Discouraging things will. You'll have relationship problems. You'll have family problems. You'll have job problems. You'll have money problems. And Paul pleads with us to continue in the faith. Through tribulation, we must enter the kingdom of God. Let's pray. Thank you, Jesus, for giving us your word. God, give us encouragement to continue in faith and to, to not lose heart, to not, not fall away. God, I pray that you would help us to be strong. Uh, God, to love you and to serve you and to live for you. Uh, Jesus, you're, you're glorious. You're everything that we need. And God, I, I pray that we would be faithful to you. Father, we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.